Love what you hear? Be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, and even our D&D adventure. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast, where we produce and develop the highest quality gaming research in podcast form. I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I am your host, Derek Baker. And today we're talking about the granddaddy of all games, the bigger than big, let me say the start of it, dead, rising. <laughs> well, of course, we will get to that eventually. But today we're going to be talking about Grand Theft Auto V. This game has been out for so long now, I really... I don't even remember being hyped for it anymore at this point. It feels like a game that has entered a different realm in terms of gaming. It's been across so many consoles. I mean, when we played this originally, we did a little bit of the online play, but we were playing that on our Xbox 360. So let's get right to it and talk about Grand Theft Auto V, which is a 2013 action adventure game developed by Rockstar North and published by Rockstar Games. It is the seventh main entry in the Grand Theft Auto series, following 2008's Grand Theft Auto IV, and the 15th installment overall. Set within the fictional state of San Andreas, based on Southern California, the single-player story follows three protagonists, retired bank robber Michael DeSanta, street gangster Franklin Clinton, and drug dealer and gunrunner Trevor Phillips, and their attempts to commit heists while under pressure from a corrupt government agency and powerful criminals. The open-world design lets players freely roam San Andreas' open countryside in the fictional city of Los Santos, based on Los Angeles. The game is played from either a third-person or first-person perspective, and its world is navigated on foot and by vehicle. Players control the three lead protagonists throughout the single player and switch among them both during and outside missions. The story is centered on the heist sequences, and many missions involve shooting and driving gameplay. A wanted system governs the aggression of law enforcement response to players who commit crimes. Grand Theft Auto Online, the game's online multiplayer mode, lets up to 30 players engage in a variety of different cooperative and competitive game modes. The game's development began around the time of Grand Theft Auto IV's release and was shared between many of Rockstar Studios worldwide. The development team drew influence from many of their previous projects such as Red Dead Redemption and Max Payne 3, and designed the game around three lead protagonists to innovate on the core structure of its predecessors. Much of the development work constituted the open world's creation, and several team members conducted field research around California to capture footage for the design team. The game's soundtrack features an original score composed by a team of producers who collaborated over several years. It was released in September 2013 for the PS3 and Xbox 360, in November 2014 for the PS4 and Xbox One, and in April 2015 for Windows, and finally in March 2022 for the PS5 and Xbox Series X and S. 
Extensively marketed and widely anticipated, the game broke industry sales records and became the fastest-selling entertainment product in history, earning $800 million in its first day and $1 billion in its first three days. It received critical acclaim, with praise directed at its multiple protagonist design, open-world presentation, and gameplay. However, it caused controversies related to its depiction of violence and women. It won year-end accolades, including Game of the Year awards from several gaming publications, and is considered one of 7th and 8th generation console gaming's most significant titles and among the best video games ever made. It is the second best-selling video game of all time, with over 170 million copies shipped, and as of April 2018, one of the most financially successful entertainment products of all time, with about $6 billion in worldwide revenue. Its successor is in development. Rockstar North Limited, formerly DMA Design Limited, is a British video game development company and a studio of Rockstar Games based in Edinburgh. The company was founded as DMA Design in Dundee in 1987 by David Jones, soon hiring former classmates Mike Daly, Russell Kay, and Steve Hammond. During its early years, DMA Design was backed by its publisher, Psygnosis, primarily focusing on Amiga, Atari ST, and Commodore 64 games. During this time, they created successful shooters such as Menace and Blood Money, but soon turned to platform games after the release of Lemmings in 1991, which was an international success and led to several sequels and spin-offs. After developing Unirally for Nintendo, DMA Design was set to become one of their main second-party developers, but this partnership ended after Nintendo's disapproval of Body Harvest. In 1997, DMA released Grand Theft Auto, which was a huge success. The game sparked a successful series. The company was soon acquired by Gremlin Interactive. Following the release of GTA 2, Gremlin was acquired by Infogrames. After the Infogrames acquisition, the DMA design assets were sold to Take-Two Interactive. In 2001, after the release of Grand Theft Auto 3, DMA Design was ultimately renamed Rockstar North and became part of the Rockstar Games label. After the shift, the company worked on new titles, including Manhunt, provided support to other Rockstar games such as Red Dead Redemption and Max Payne 3, and continued the Grand Theft Auto franchise with Grand Theft Auto 4 in 2008 and Grand Theft Auto 5 in 2013. Preliminary work on Grand Theft Auto V began around Grand Theft Auto IV's release in April 2008. Full development lasted approximately three years. Rockstar North's core 360-person team co-opted studios around the world owned by parent company Rockstar Games to facilitate development between a full team of over 1,000. These included Rockstar's Leeds, Lincoln, London, New England, San Diego, and Toronto Studios. Technical director Adam Fowler said that while development was shared between studios in different countries, the process involved close collaboration between the core team and others. This was necessary to avoid difficulties if studios did not communicate with each other as many game mechanics work in tandem. Game development ceased by August 25, 2013 when it was submitted for manufacturing. Media analyst Arvind Bhatia estimated the game's development budget exceeded $137 million, and the Scotsman reporter Marty McLaughlin estimated that the combined development and marketing efforts exceeded £170 million, or $265 million. 
dollars, making it the most expensive video game ever made at its time. The proprietary Rockstar Advanced game engine, or Rage, was overhauled for the game to improve its draw distance rendering capabilities, and the Euphoria and Bullet engines handle further animation and environment rendering tasks. The team found they could render the game world with greater detail than in Grand Theft Auto 4 because they had become familiar with the PS3 and Xbox 360's hardware. Art director Aaron Garbutt said that while the console's aging hardware were tiring to work with, the team could still render detailed lighting and shadows and maintain a consistent look. Vice President Dan Hauser felt working on Grand Theft Auto 4 with relatively new hardware was a challenge, but the team had since learned to develop for the consoles more efficiently. The PS3, 4, and Xbox One versions fit onto one Blu-ray disc. Xbox 360 copies were distributed on two DVDs and required an 8GB installation on the hard disk drive or external storage device, while the Microsoft Windows version takes up seven DVDs. The team asserted any differences between the PS3 and Xbox 360 versions would be negligible. Initial work on Grand Theft Auto V constituted the open-world creation, where preliminary models were constructed in-engine during pre-production. The game's setting is the fictional U.S. state of San Andreas and City of Los Santos, based on Southern California and Los Angeles, respectively. San Andreas was first used as Grand Theft Auto San Andreas' setting, which featured three cities separated by open countryside. The team thought the ambition of including three cities in San Andreas was too high, as it did not emulate the cities as well as they had hoped. Hauser felt an effective portrayal of L.A. needs to emulate its urban sprawl, and that dividing the workforce between multiple cities would have detracted from capturing what L.A. is. Garbett said PlayStation 2-era technology lacked the technical capabilities to capture L.A. adequately, such that San Andreas's rendition of Los Santos looked like a, quote, backdrop or a game level with pedestrians randomly milling about. The team disregarded San Andreas as a departure point for Grand Theft Auto V because they had moved on to a new generation of consoles and wanted to build the city from scratch. According to Garbett, game hardware had evolved so much from San Andreas that using it as a model would have been redundant. The team's focus on one city instead of three meant they could produce Los Santos in higher quality and at a grander scale than in the previous game. Los Angeles was extensively researched for the game. The team organized field research trips with tour guides and architectural historians and captured around 250,000 photographs and many, many hours of video footage. Hauser said, We spoke to FBI agents that had been undercover, experts in the mafia, street gangsters who knew the slang. We even went to see a proper prison. He considered the open world's research and creation the most challenging aspect of the game's production. Google Maps and Street View projections of Los Angeles were used by the team to help design Los Santos's road networks. The team studied virtual globe models, census data, and documentaries to reproduce the city's geographical and demographic spread. The team opted to condense the city's spread into an area players could comfortably travel to capture the essence of what's really there in a city, but in a far smaller area, according to Hauser. The New Yorker's Sam Sweet opined that the exhaustive fieldwork wasn't conducted to document a living space. Rather, it was collected to create an extremely realistic version of a Los Angeles that doesn't actually exist. Garbett noted that Los Angeles was used merely as a starting point 
and that the team was not dictated by reality when building Los Santos. And I think that you get that vibe pretty well. There's some things in there that you could definitely recognize from the real L.A., like the observatory that you meet the FBI agent on. Like that is almost like a perfect uh, rendering of, of what actually exists in Los Angeles. And there's other little pieces like that throughout the world, but it's so small compared to the real Los Angeles that you don't have to spend, you know, an hour driving across town like you would in L.A. The open world includes vast tracts of countryside around the city proper. Research took the team to California's rural regions. Garbutt recalled a visit he took with Hauser to Bombay Beach that inspired them to set Trevor's initial story against the Salton Sea. The team wanted a large world without open, empty areas and condensed Southern California's countryside into a detailed play space. The game world covers 49 square miles, about an 80th of Los Angeles County. Its scale is greater than Rockstar's previous open world games. Garbutt estimated it is large enough to fit San Andreas, Grand Theft Auto 4, and Red Dead Redemption's worlds combined inside. To accommodate the world's size, the team overhauled the Rage to improve its draw-distance rendering capabilities. The large open space permitted the reintroduction of fixed-wing aircraft, omitted from Grand Theft Auto 4 because of its relatively smaller scale. Quote, We wanted somewhere big to let players fly properly, Hauser explained. Lead producer Leslie Benzies noted that to avoid a hollow countryside area, the team populated the open world with wildlife. And I remember this was essentially borrowed from Red Dead Redemption. Like you could you could fight a cougar the same way that you could um, in Red Dead Redemption. I think it was a little less intimidating because you were better equipped to deal with them. And there wasn't that emphasis, of course, on skinning them, collecting pelts, and things like that. So the wildlife was there, but it wasn't as much of a focal point as it is in Red Dead Redemption. A single-player story revolving around three lead protagonists was one of Grand Theft Auto V's earliest design objectives. Garbutt felt such a deviation from the gameplay's core structure was a risk, and recalled team concern that a departure from GTA's traditional single-lead character setup might backfire. Early game conceptualizations would have told three separate stories through different protagonists. Later, Grand Theft Auto IV stories inspired the concept that story trajectories would meet throughout the game. Eventually, the concept evolved into three interconnected stories that intertwined through the missions. And of course, they're referring to GTA IV and GTA IV's DLC, where you had The Lost and the Damned, and then you had The Ballad of Gay Tony, and there ends up being a mission that exists in all three in GTA 4 and then those two DLCs where the main protagonists all come together at an apartment, a drug deal gone bad. They're all there for different reasons. And it, I think it is a really good jumping off point for this design. According to Benzies, the team made the multiple character formula integral to the structure of the gameplay as well as the narrative. Hauser opined that Grand Theft Auto V is their strongest plotted game because the characters are so intertwined and that the meeting points between the characters' stories are very exciting. The central story theme is the pursuit of the almighty dollar. Missions follow the lead characters' efforts to plan and execute complicated heists to accrue wealth for themselves. 
The team focused on money as the central theme in response to the 07-08 financial crisis, as its effects turned the main characters back to a life of crime. Hauser explains, We wanted this post-crash feeling because it works thematically in this game about bank robbers. The positive reaction to Grand Theft Auto 4's Three Leaf Clover, which is the mission you mentioned, Derek, an elaborate heist executed by lead protagonist Nico Bellic and accomplices, encouraged the team to develop the story around the heists. Hauser said while Three Leaf Clover was well-received, the team had not captured the thrill of the robbery to their best abilities and wanted Grand Theft Auto V to achieve it. He felt a strong bank robbery mission, quote, was a good device that he'd never used in the past. Repeating ourselves is a fear when we're doing games where part of the evolution is just technological. The game has players controlling three characters, Michael DeSanta, Franklin Clinton, and Trevor Phillips. The team wrote each character to embody a game protagonist archetype. Michael represents greed, Franklin, ambition, and Trevor, insanity. Hauser felt Michael and Trevor were written to juxtapose each other, with Michael, like the criminal who wants to compartmentalize and be a good guy some of the time, and Trevor, the maniac who isn't a hypocrite. He considered that the three lead characters helped move the game's story into more original territory than its predecessors, which traditionally followed a single protagonist rising through the ranks of a criminal underworld. Ned Luke portrayed Michael, Sean Solo Fontano portrayed Franklin, and Stephen Ogg portrayed Trevor. Fontano first became aware of the acting job through his friend DJ Pooh, who worked on San Andreas and was involved in Grand Theft Auto V's music production. When Ned Luke's agent advised him of the casting call, he initially did not want to audition for the part because it was in a video game. After reading the audition material and learning more about the project, he became interested, and he reflected, I went immediately after reading the material from I'm not doing it to nobody else is doing it. It was just brilliant. During the initial audition process, Og noticed onset chemistry between him and Luke, which he felt helped secure them the roles. Quote, when Luke and I went in the room together, we immediately had something. While the actors knew their auditions were for Rockstar Games, it was not until they signed contracts that they learned it was a Grand Theft Auto title. Work for the actors began in 2010. Their performances were mostly recorded using motion capture technology. Dialogue for scenes with characters seated in vehicles was recorded in studios because the actors had their dialogue and movements recorded on set they found their performances no different to film or television roles. Their dialogue was scripted such that they could not ad-lib, however, with directorial approval, they sometimes made small changes to their performances. To prepare for his role as Michael, Luke gained 25 pounds and studied Rockstar's previous games, starting with Grand Theft Auto 4. He considered Michael's characterization to be an amalgamation of Hugh Beaumont's portrayal of Ward Cleaver and the American sitcom Leave It to Beaver and Al Pacino's portrayal of Tony Montana in the 1983 film Scarface. Og felt Trevor's characterization developed over time. He said, quote, nuances and character traits that began to appear, his walk, his manner of speech, his reactions, definitely informed his development throughout the game. Og cites Tom Hardy's portrayal of English criminal Charles Bronson in the 2008 biopic Bronson as a strong stylistic influence. He opined that while Trevor embodies the violent, psychopathic Grand Theft Auto anti-hero archetype, he wanted to evoke player sympathy to Trevor's story. Quote, to elicit other emotions was tough, and it was the biggest challenge, and it's something that me meant a lot to me, Og explained. 
Fontano felt growing up in South Los Angeles and being exposed to drug trafficking, gang culture, authenticated his portrayal of Franklin with, quote, I lived his life before. He's been surrounded by drugs, crime, living with his aunt. I lived with my grandmother. So there was a lot of familiarity. Fontano said, having not worked as an actor since portraying Face in the 2001 film The Wash, he sought counsel from Luke and Og to refine his acting skills. Grand Theft Auto V's multiple protagonist design was envisioned to improve the series' core mechanics. The team sought to innovate game storytelling and negate stale familiarity by not evolving the gameplay's core structure. Grand Theft Auto V's multiple protagonist design was envisioned to improve the series' core mechanics. The team sought to innovate game storytelling and negate stale familiarity by not evolving the gameplay's core structure. With, quote, we didn't want to do the same thing again, Hauser said. The multiple protagonist idea was first raised during San Andreas' development, but hardware restrictions made it infeasible. Garbutt explained, quote, It didn't work from a tech point of view because the three characters need three times as much memory, three types of animation, and so on. After Grand Theft Auto IV's release, the team developed The Lost and the Damned and The Ballad of Gay Tony, episodic content packages that followed new protagonists. The three interwoven stories received positive remarks so the team structured Grand Theft Auto V around that model. The development team found that players experience greater freedom when controlling three characters and missions. Lead mission designer Imran Sarwar felt they opened up more strategic maneuvers. He cited a combat scenario where Michael sets up at a sniper outpost to cover Trevor, who makes a frontal assault on the enemy position, while Franklin manipulates flank points. Benzies felt character switching streamlines the interplay between free roam and linear mission gameplay, as it eliminates San Andreas' cumbersome long-distance drives to mission start points. Players may explore the whole map without having to worry about the long drive back, according to Benzies. Hauser noted the mechanics used during missions negated long drives as well. The team implemented dynamic mission content throughout the open world, a feature borrowed from Red Dead Redemption. Dynamic missions present themselves while players explore the open world and may be accepted or ignored. In Los Santos, for example, players may encounter an armored van and try to intercept it to steal its contents. The team overhauled the game's shooting and driving mechanics to match the standards of its contemporaries. Public reception to the team's previous games such as Grand Theft Auto 4, Red Dead Redemption, and Max Payne 3 was considered during the process. To increase the pace of shootouts, the team removed hard locking, a central mechanic in Grand Theft Auto 4 that instantly locks onto the enemy nearest to the crosshair. Associate Technical Director Phil Hooker found hard locking too disorienting and immersion breaking, as you didn't have to think about enemy locations. He said Grand Theft Auto 4 players just rely on holding and shooting until a target is dead. So Grand Theft Auto V introduces a timer that breaks the lock on a target after a few seconds. The team refined Red Dead Redemption's cover system for the game, with increased fluidity moving into and out of cover. Regarding the reworked vehicle mechanics, Hauser felt the game took influence from racing games and corrected Grand Theft Auto IV's boat-like driving controls. Grand Theft Auto Online launched on October 1st, 2013, two weeks after the release of Grand Theft Auto V. Many players reported that they had difficulties connecting to the game's servers and the Social Club web service, and others further reported that the game would freeze while loading early missions. Rockstar released a technical patch on October 5th in an effort to resolve the issues. 
The microtransaction system, which allows players to purchase game content using real money, was also suspended as a failsafe. Problems persisted the second week following launch, and some players reported their player character progress as having disappeared. Another technical patch was released on October 10th, combating the issues, and players experiencing issues were told not to recreate their multiplayer avatars. As recompense for the technical issues, Rockstar offered a stimulus of 500,000 GTA buckaroonies <laughs> to the accounts of all players connected to online since launch. Rockstar announced in September 2015 that the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 versions of the online mode will no longer receive any new additional content due to limitations in the console capacity. This was criticized by Forbes writer Paul Tassi, who felt that Rockstar was, quote, cutting out a lot of potential customers who continue to play on the older systems, adding that the re-releases on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One were lacking in additional content. In June 2021, Rockstar announced that the game's servers for the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 versions would shut down on December 16th. Microtransactions became unavailable for the platforms on September 15th, and Social Club tracking closed on the next day. Now, this does make sense because you need to get to those higher-end consoles, more memory, more capacity for newer tech, and you just can't have those old consoles dragging you back. Absolutely. A standalone version of Grand Theft Auto Online was released alongside the enhanced version of GTA V for PS5 and Xbox Series X and S on March 15, 2022. It was free on the former for the first three months, and in addition to graphical enhancements and various quality of life improvements, this version features some exclusive content, such as new vehicles, an auto shop called Howe's Special Works, where select vehicles can be upgraded for elite driving performances, and a career builder, which provides players with enough in-game currency to set up one of four businesses upon creating a new character. For a limited time, players could permanently transfer their progress from the previous generation consoles. Earned in-game money could only be transferred across the same console family, so PS4 to PS5 or Xbox One to Xbox Series X and S. In early 2021, a user known as Toast reported that they found a way to reduce the loading times of GTA Online by up to 70% with an unofficial patch. Rockstar affirmed that the patch improved these load times and officially included this patch into the game in March 2021 update and thanked the user for the discovery awarding them $10,000 from their bug bounty program. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The game was extensively marketed through video trailers and press demonstrations. On November 2nd, 2011, a week after the announcement, the debut trailer was released. 
It is narrated by Michael and depicts the open world accompanied by the song Ogden's Nut Gone Flake by English rock band Small Faces. A press release published the same day confirmed the game's open world recreation of Southern California and Los Angeles. Almost a year later, Game Informer ran a Grand Theft Auto V cover story for their December 2012 issue. Rockstar intended to release the second promotional trailer on November 2nd. However, these plans were hampered by Hurricane Sandy, which cut power supplies to Rockstar New York's office. The trailer was eventually released on November 14th. It introduces the lead protagonist's backstories and features the song Skeletons by Stevie Wonder. To unveil the cover art, Rockstar contracted artists to paint a mural on a wall in Manhattan on March 31st, 2013, followed by the artwork's digital release on April 2nd. It showed English model Shelby Wellander portraying a blonde beach goer. Three trailers released on April 26th, each focusing on one of the protagonists. The songs Radio Gaga by Queen, Hood Gun Love It by J-Rock, and Are You Sure Hank Done It This Way by Waylon Jennings are used in the Michael, Franklin, and Trevor trailers, respectively. A trailer released on July 9th featured the first gameplay footage. It demonstrated the shooting and driving mechanics and the ability to swap between characters instantaneously. Grand Theft Auto Online was unveiled in a trailer released on August 15th. The video displayed activities like bank heists, small robberies, traditional game modes, purchase of property, and bicycle riding. The final pre-launch trailer was released on August 29th, intended to be a television advertisement. The song Sleepwalking by the Chain Gang of 1974 was used in this trailer. Viral marketing strategies were used to promote the game. Visitors to the website of the Epsilon Program, a fictional religious cult within the Grand Theft Auto universe, were offered a chance to register for that group. After filling in an online membership form, the terms and conditions revealed that the site was a casting call for five people to appear in the game as members of the fictional cult. The official GTA 5 website was redesigned on August 13, 2013 to show a preview of activities and locales within the open world and an examination of the lead protagonist's stories. More information was released on the website on August 24th, September 6th, and September 13th. To spur pre-order sales, Rockstar collaborated with several retail outlets to provide special edition versions of the game. The special edition includes a unique case packaging, a game map, and unlock codes for additional content in the single-player and multiplayer modes. The publisher collaborated with Sony to release a 500GB PlayStation 3 console, which includes a copy of the game, a 30-day trial membership for the PlayStation Plus service, and a set of Grand Theft Auto V branded headphones. All game pre-orders granted the purchaser an access code for the in-game Atomic Blimp aircraft. GameStop held a promotional raffle with the chance to win a real-life Bravado Banshee sports car, the game's counterpart of the Dodge Viper. Rockstar collaborated with West Coast Customs to build the vehicle. Shortly after the game's release, the iFruit application was released for iOS devices. It lets players customize vehicles, create custom license plates, and teach Franklin's dog Chop new tricks which unlocks additional in-game abilities. Upon its launch, some users reported problems connected to the application servers. These problems were resolved with an update on September 25th. iFruit was released for Android on October 29th and for Windows Phone devices on November 19th. A PlayStation Vita port was released on April 1st, 2014, the worst day to release anything or announce anything. 
<laughs> well, it probably makes sense for the PlayStation Vita, right? No offense to the Vita truthers out there, but uh, we we've moved on. the The Switch changed the game. Now, now we've we know what we want in our handhelds. So let's talk about we we've touched on it a bit, but the story. Uh, for this game, which takes a, a, a very different turn, I think, from the previous ones, just with that three protagonist plot. In 2004, Michael Townley, Trevor Phillips, and Brad Snyder partake in a failed robbery in Londondorf, North Yankton, resulting in Michael being presumed dead. Nine years later, Michael lives with his family in the city of Los Santos under the alias Michael DeSanta having made a secret arrangement with the Federal Investigation Bureau, or the FIB, and specifically Agent Dave Norton, to stay hidden. Across town, gangster Franklin Clinton works for a corrupt car salesman and meets Michael while attempting to fraudulently repossess his son's car. The two later become friends. When Michael finds his wife sleeping with her tennis coach, he and Franklin chase the coach to a mansion, which Michael destroys in anger. The owner of the mansion, drug lord Martin Madrazo, demands compensation. Michael returns to a life of crime to obtain the money, enlisting Franklin as an accomplice. With the help of Michael's old friend Lester Crest, a disabled hacker, they rob a jewelry store to pay off the debt. Meanwhile, Trevor, who lives in squalor on the outskirts of Los Santos, hears of the heist and realizes it was Michael's work. Trevor had believed the FIB killed Michael in the Londondorf heist. He finds Michael and reunites with him, forcing Michael to reluctantly accept him back into his life. As time goes on, the protagonist's lives spiral out of control. Michael's criminal behavior prompts his family to leave him. When he later becomes a movie producer, he comes into conflict with Devin Weston, a billionaire venture capitalist and corporate raider who attempts to shut down Michael's studio. Michael thwarts his efforts and inadvertently kills his assistant, causing Devin to vow revenge. Meanwhile, Franklin must rescue his friend Lamar Davis from their former friend and rival gangster, Harold Stretch Joseph, who attempts to kill them to prove himself to his new gang. Concurrently, Trevor tries to consolidate his control over various black markets in Blaine County, waging war against the Lost Outlaw Motorcycle Club. Latin American street gangs, rival meth dealers, private security firm Meriwether, and triad kingpin Y. Chang. Having broken his agreement with Dave by committing heists again, Michael is coerced by Dave and his superior, Steve Haynes, to perform a series of operations alongside Franklin and Trevor to undermine the International Affairs Agency, or the IAA. Under Steve's direction and with Lester's help, they attack a convoy carrying funds for the IAA and steal an experimental chemical weapon from an IAA lab. As Steve comes under increasing scrutiny, he forces Michael and Franklin to erase evidence against him from the FIB servers. Michael takes the opportunity to wipe the data on his activities, destroying Steve's leverage over him. After reconciling with his family, Michael starts planning his final heist with Trevor, Franklin, and Lester raiding the Union Depository's Gold Bullion Reserve. However, Trevor discovers that Brad was not imprisoned as he was led to believe, but killed during the Ludendorff heist and buried in the grave marked for Michael. Deducting that the heist was a setup and that he was supposed to be killed in Brad's place, Trevor feels betrayed and leaves Michael for dead following a standoff with Chang's henchmen. Although Franklin saves Michael, 
Trevor's anger towards the latter causes friction within the group and threatens to undermine their plans. Meanwhile, Steve betrays Michael and Dave, and they become caught in a Mexican standoff between the FIB, the IAA, and Meriwether. Michael and Dave are rescued by Trevor, who decides to partake in the Union Depository heist and parts ways with Michael afterwards. The heist is successful, but Franklin is afterwards approached by Steve and Dave, who contend that Trevor is a liability, and Devin, who seeks revenge on Michael. Franklin has three options. Kill Trevor, kill Michael, or attempt to save both in a suicide mission. Should Franklin choose to kill either Michael or Trevor, he ceases contact with the man he spares and returns to his old life. Otherwise, the trio, aided by Lamar and Lester, withstands an onslaught from the FIB and Meriwether before going on to kill Chang, Stretch, Steve, and Devin. Michael and Trevor reconcile, and the three protagonists cease working together, but remain friends as every great story should be. And this is really where we see the choose-your-own ending actually have an effect on it. It actually does affect the ending for it. Small as it may be, it, it definitely changes the gameplay. Yeah, but it's, it's an interesting story. It's an interesting plot. Now, a lot of emphasis has been placed on the three protagonists and switching between them throughout. One of the things that I guess I found interesting about this is you really don't play as Trevor until it feels like you've gotten into the game quite a bit. I don't know if you remember this from back then, but you go through all that stuff with Franklin and Michael where they start working together and then Trevor, you know, you, you've gone through basically an entire chapter of missions and then Trevor sees them on TV and that's when you can finally control him and then you play as just Trevor for a long time to basically get him out of his entire area. So it feels really disjointed. And it feels like you're leaving a lot of progress behind until eventually they all start working together and you can sort of switch freely between the three. So very cool, uh, very definitely unique way to play a game. I haven't played anything like it since then. And I enjoyed the, the story a lot. I think that the different plot endings was sort of a unique twist on the whole idea. Obviously, you know which one you're supposed to pick, but if there's a character that I think you didn't particularly like, you could, you know, choose to kill them off. So let's move over to what is generally one of the better parts of the Grand Theft Auto series. In my opinion, the music and sound. Grand Theft Auto V uses an original score, unlike most of its predecessors. Music supervisor Ivan Pavlovich summarized the original score idea as daunting because it was unprecedented for a Grand Theft Auto game. Like most previous series entries, the game uses licensed music tracks provided by an in-game radio as well. Pavlovich hoped that the original score would enhance the licensed music use, not detract from it. He further noted the balancing act between the score's ambient subtext and tensions and the game's on-screen action. To work on the score, Rockstar engaged The Alchemist, Oh No, and Tangerine Dream with Woody Jackson, who had previously worked on Red Dead Redemption, L.A. Noir, and Max Payne 3's music. The team of producers collaborated over several years to create more than 20 hours of music that scores both the game's missions and dynamic gameplay throughout the single-player and multiplayer modes. Early in the game's development, the music team were shown an early build before starting work on the score. Their work was mostly complete later in development, but they continued composing until its final build was submitted for manufacturing. 
Edgar Froese, Tangerine Dream's founding member, initially rejected the offer of producing music for a video game. After he was flown to the studio and shown the game, he was impressed by its scale and cinematic nature and changed his mind. Froese's first eight months of work on the score produced 62 hours of music. He recorded with Tangerine Dream in Austria, but further work was conducted at Jackson's United States studio, which The Alchemist and Oh No used as well. Jackson's initial role was to provide score for Trevor's missions, and he took influence from artists such as the Mars Volta and Queens of the Stone Age. When he learned that the team would be building off each other's work, he voiced concern that the finished product could be disjointed. After sharing his work with the team, he was particularly impressed by Froze's contributions with, quote, Edgar evolved the music, made it into a whole other thing, Jackson said. Froze had interpolated funk sounds with Jackson's hip-hop. Froze and Jackson then sent their work between The Alchemist and Oh No, who heavily sampled it. The Alchemist opined, quote, We were sampling, taking a piece from here, a piece from there. We pitched stuff up, chopped it, tweaked it. Then we chose the tracks that worked, and everyone came in and layered on that. DJ Shadow then mixed the team's creations together and matched it to the gameplay. Pavlovich considered, quote, how to make the hip-hop and rock score not sound like they were instrumentals of songs on the radio, but rather something unique to the score, a challenge. Pavlovich found that while Rockstar assigned the team missions to write music for, some of their random creations influenced other missions and sparked inspiration for further score development. He discussed a stem-based system used to make music fit dynamic game factors where the team would compose music to underscore outcomes players could make immediately after completing missions. Each of these stems, Froze reflected, included up to 62 five-minute WAV files, which were sent to Pavlovich in New York. He then created, very professionally, a mixdown for each of the eight stems needed for a mission and sent out the material to the other artists involved, Froze elaborated. Ono drew from scenes within the game to make his work feel contextually pertinent with the action on screen. The iconographic introduction of Los Santos early in the game, for example, inspired him to, quote, create a smooth West Coast vibe that embodied the city. He supplied horns, electric and bass guitars, and percussion parts to fit with the car chase scene. We wanted everything to set the right tone, he explained. The Rockstar team wanted to synergize the game world's depiction of California with the radio stations by licensing tracks that imparted an appropriate Cali feel. Pavlovich noted that Los Angeles' cultural saturation of pop music necessitated the nonstop pop FM station. He said that, The first time you get off an airplane in LA and you hear the radio and the pop just seeps out, we wanted that. It really connects you to the world. He felt that greater discernment was required for licensed music choices than in Grand Theft Auto 4 because GTA 5's music plays a pivotal role in generating Californian atmosphere. Music reflects the environment in which the game is set, he said. Initially, the team planned to license over 900 tracks for the radio, but they refined the number to 241. The tracks are shared between 15 stations, with an additional two talk-back stations and a radio station for custom audio files on the PC version. Some tracks were written specifically for the game, such as rapper and producer Flying Lotus's original work, composed for the Fly Low FM station he hosts. Pavlovich noted how the team would first develop an idea of what each station would sound like, 
and then select a DJ to match the station's genre, such as Kenny Loggins, who hosts the classic radio station Los Santos Rock Radio. He felt that to strike a balance between the radio and the score was a meticulous process and cited a scenario where players would drive to a mission objective while listening to the radio, with the score taking over once players left the vehicle and proceeded to the mission's next stage. Since the game's location is modeled on Southern California, the developers attempted to create an accurate representation that represented that region. Production of the soundtrack also consisted of licensing music for the radio stations and selecting a disc jockey that matches the genre of music the station hosts. The soundtrack consists of a wide variety of radio stations that play different genres of music, including reggae, hip-hop, hardcore punk, pop, and country. In September 2014, it was announced that new songs will be added to some of the radio stations in the next-gen releases of the game. The music of Grand Theft Auto V was released digitally on September 24, 2013, in three volumes, including an original score composed for the game in addition to selections from songs that were licensed for the in-game radio. The retail version of the soundtrack was released on December 9, 2014, for CD and vinyl through Mass Appeal Records. In the context of the game, the music of Grand Theft Auto V was well-received. Jim Sterling of Destructoid considered the game's sound design impeccable, directing praise at the score. The staff at Edge wrote that the licensed music enriches Los Santos's already remarkable sense of space and considered that the original score enhanced the atmosphere of the gameplay, retrospectively noting it's only in replaying GTA V's missions that you come to appreciate the complexity and power of the Rockstar's bespoke dynamic score, whose rhythms do so much to achieve that age-old video game goal of creating the sensation of playing a movie. Carolyn Petit of GameSpot also thought that the score lends missions more cinematic flavor, while Jeff Gerstman of Giant Bomb said that the score helped enhance dramatic tension during missions. Kevin McDonald of IGN commented that the licensed music had been selected well and agreed that the original score builds tension on missions. Alex Young of Consequence of Sound considered the score dynamic to say the least, praising the music for its appropriation within the game. He concluded that the team have crafted an entertaining blend of musical tastes that everyone can get on board with. The album peaked at 11 on Billboard's top soundtracks charts in the week of October 12, 2013. During a September 2009 earnings call, Take-Two Interactive CEO Strauss Zelnick was asked about Grand Theft Auto V, the purported next game in the series. He replied, We're not going to announce it. We're not going to announce when we're going to announce it. And we're not going to announce a strategy about announcing it or about when we're going to announce it either or about the announcement strategy surrounding the announcement of the strategy. That November, Hauser discussed with The Times his work on the series and the process that would be undertaken for the next Grand Theft Auto game. He expressed plans to co-write a thousand-page script and said that when developing a new game, the team typically created a city and then developed the lead cast. In July 2010, Rockstar North posted seven job advertisements related to a new title. The company wanted to recruit environment artists, physics programmers, and character animators. The latter advertisement asked for recruits with professional experience developing a third-person action game. Journalists wrote that the job listing was indicative of Grand Theft Auto V's existence, and in July 2011, anonymous sources allegedly close to the developer told GameSpot that the title was well underway 
with a 2012 release date likely. Rockstar Games first confirmed the game's existence on October 25, 2011 in an announcement on its official website and Twitter feed. Take-Two Interactive's share price subsequently increased by 7%. Journalists said the announcement ignited significant anticipation within the gaming industry, which they owed to the series' cultural significance. The game did not meet its original projected March-May 2013 release date, but by October 30, 2012, promotional posters had spread to the internet and a listing by the retailer Game had leaked the projected release date. Rockstar announced a scheduled Q2 2013 release that day and began accepting pre-orders on November 5th. Now we're talking about the releases. We really want to talk about the re-releases, the ports, the further-ons, the Skyrims, some might say. The enhanced version for PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One features an increased draw distance, finer texture details, denser traffic, upgraded weather effects, and new wildlife and vegetation. It features more than 162 new songs across the game's radio stations. Players could transfer Grand Theft Auto online characters and progression between some platforms and gain exclusive activities in game discounts on weapons and vehicles. The re release features a new on foot first person view option that players may configure to personal preference, for example, by making the view toggle to third person while taking cover. Animation director Rob Nelson said that a first person option was raised during PS3 and Xbox 360 development, but their relatively smaller banks of memory were already being pushed, such that adding new first-person animations would have inhibited the open-world render. According to Nelson, the first-person view required more development effort than simply repositioning the camera because of the need to adapt combat to a different view. The weapons were upgraded to higher resolution, and new animations included weapon recoil, reload, and switch were added. I think we created 3,000 animations on weapons alone, said Nelson. The PS4 version used the DualShock 4's touchpad to navigate camera options and speaker to play smartphone calls, while the Xbox One controller's impulse triggers may rumble while players use vehicles. The PC version features the Rockstar Editor, a replay editor that lets players create video clips of their gameplay. It features a director mode that lets players record footage with various characters that speak and perform contextual actions at will. Players can adjust the time of day and weather settings, and use cheat codes to access more cinematic effects. An editing suite lets players add music from the game's soundtrack and score, and access various depth of field and filter settings. Finished works may be uploaded directly to YouTube and entered into Rockstar Games Social Club contests. Later, the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One versions received the Rockstar Editor through a free title update, which added various features such as expanded sound effects and text-style libraries across all three platforms. Art director Aaron Garbett said the addition of first-person inspired the enhanced version's graphical upgrade. Remodeled cars feature interior effects including functional speedometers, fuel gauges, and dashboard handbrake lights. The team added new particle and lighting effects like fireflies at night in the countryside or ambient light pollution over Los Santos at night, according to Garbett. Red Dead Redemption inspired the team to add more vegetation to break up the hard edges and straight lines of the open world. The original version's vegetation was replaced with more detailed equivalents in the enhanced version. An upgraded weather system lets tree branches and leaves blow realistically in the wind. 
The team hand-placed weeds along fences and walls and placed grass over many of the open world's terrains. They then layered foliage, rocks, and litter over the grass. An upgraded Screen Space Ambient Occlusion, or SSAO, system renders new particle shadow and weather effects, such as volumetric fog or neon reflections in cars at night. The ambient light pollution over nighttime Los Santos may dissipate in poor weather. A dynamic depth of field system sharpens and softens images to emulate camera autofocus, and improved shaders produce new colors in skin and terrain textures. Initial PC version development began in parallel with PS3 and Xbox 360. PC development later gave way as focus shifted to the console releases but eventually resumed. Because the team had planned a PC version from early on, they made technical decisions in advance to facilitate later development like support for 64-bit computing and DirectX 11. The art team authored their source art at high resolutions even though they needed to be compressed on the PS3 and Xbox 360 with the foresight that PC versions would display these assets uncompressed. These early decisions aided the PS4 and Xbox One versions development as well due to their similar system architectures to the PC. Their similarities helped the team ramp up to the PC version where they could push the visuals and technology further than before. The PC development team consisted of members of the original team and PC specialists from Rockstar's other studios who had brought Grand Theft Auto 4, Max Payne 3, and L.A. Noir to the platform. The PC's recommended specs are based on the game running a native 1080p resolution at 60 frames per second, and the team suggested 60fps as the optimal performance benchmark. The PC build supports 4K resolution and uncapped frame rates as well. The team opted to give players the choice to configure the game according to their individual system specs. Players may configure LOD draw distances, anisotropic filtering, graphics effects, and so on. A population density slider affects the density of street-walking pedestrians and cars on the roads. Now when it comes to the overall reception of the game, Grand Theft Auto V received universal acclaim from critics, according to Metacritic, based on a number of reviews for the PS3 and Xbox 360. The game is Metacritic's fifth highest rated, tied with several others. Reviewers liked the multiple lead character formula, heist mission design, and presentation, but some did not agree on the quality of the story and characters. IGN's Kezza McDonald called Grand Theft Auto V one of the very best video games ever made, and Play considered it generation-defining and exceptional. Edge wrote that it is a remarkable achievement in open-world design and storytelling, while the Daily Telegraph's Tom Hoggins declared it a colossal feat of technical engineering. It became the second-ever Western-developed game to be awarded a perfect score from the Japanese video game magazine Famitsu. CNET's Jeff Bacalar felt that the game encourages players to engage with all three characters. Edge found that switching players helped avoid long travel times to mission start points. Because of the switching mechanic, Game Informer's Matt Burtz noted that players are kept in the thick of the action during shootouts. Eurogamer's Tom Bramwell wrote that switching added a tactical element to shootouts as characters set up in strategic outposts would cause fewer shooting gallery situations than previous installments. McDonald felt the switching feature gave players more choice in their approach and made missions less predictable. Giant Bomb's Jeff Gerstmann considered the heist missions a welcome deviation from the series' typical mission structure. 
Eurogamer's Bramwell likened them to blockbuster set pieces, and GameSpot's Carolyn Petit cited the 1995 film Heat as a stylistic influence on their design. Joystick's Zav D'Amato's felt creativity and methodical approaches were encouraged. Polygon's Chris Plant likened rapid character switching during heist missions to film editing, with the player serving as editor, switching rapidly to the most interesting perspective for any moment. Computer and video games' Andy Kelly felt that overall mission design was more diverse than and lacked the escort errands of its predecessors. Edge praised the game's graphical fidelity and absence of load screens. Play complemented the draw distances and weather and lighting systems. Eurogamer's Bramwell considered the lighting system to be the game's most significant advancement. Official Xbox Magazine's Mike Rapares thought that the game was probably the Xbox 360's greatest technical achievement and was surprised that the open world could render on the console. Reviewers lauded the open world design, some further complimenting the game for streamlining Los Angeles' geography into a well-designed city space. Game trailer's Brandon Jones considered the LA emulation authentic and the open world full of voice and personality. IGN and PlayStation Official Magazine made favorable comparisons between Los Santos and Grand Theft Auto IV's Liberty City. OXM's Raparas felt Los Santos surpassed the gray and gritty Liberty City, and reviewers praised the world's satire of contemporary American culture. OPM's Joel Gregory opined that the scathing social commentary is, of course, present and correct. Many reviewers found the land-based vehicles more responsive and easier to control than in previous games. Game Informer's Burtz explained that cars have a proper sense of weight, while retaining the agility necessary for navigating through traffic at high speeds. In addition to the vehicle handling, most reviewers noted the shooting mechanics were tighter than they had been in previous games, but Destructoid Sterling felt that in spite of the improvements, auto-aim was twitchy and unreliable, and cover mechanics still come off as dated and unwieldy. Some reviewers felt the game solved a persistent problem by adding mid-mission checkpoints, which is insanely important, so you don't have to start over again, being like, hey, I made it through an hour-long mission, I died, oops, do it all again. The story and characters, particularly Trevor, polarized reviewers. Some felt that the narrative was not as well-written as previous Rockstar games, and cited Grand Theft Auto 4 and Red Dead Redemption's plot strengths. Mm, okay, I don't know if I agree with Grand Theft Auto 4, but okay. Others thought that the protagonist's contrasting personalities gave the narrative tighter pacing. GamesRadar's Hollander Cooper thought the game negated inconsistencies in the story of previous entries, whose lead protagonists had muddled morality. GameSpot's Petit considered Trevor in particular a truly horrible, terrifying, psychotic human being and a terrific character. Bramwell found Trevor shallow and unconvincing and felt that his eccentricities hurt the narrative, and overshadowed Michael and Franklin's character development. Joystick's D'Amato's faulted the protagonist's lack of likability for him, and found the ambivalence between Michael and Trevor a tired plot device as their conflict grew into a seemingly endless cycle. The escapist Greg Tito had difficulty connecting with the character's emotions since they acted out of greed with no sense of morality and thus gave players little reason to support them. Now, I'm going to jump in and, and talk a bit about this. I... I disagree with most of this. I think as the characters are, we know that agreed is a driving factor. I mean, there, there's no Walter White-esque thing in here that needs to be solved. It's just part of it. And I think 
saying that Trevor is just the worst character or a mistake is not it. You have basically two straight men in Michael and Franklin and having Trevor be that comic relief and, and wildness and showing that really the reason that Michael betrayed him way back when was because of this craziness and because he couldn't be with this. He just wanted to be part of his family. He wanted to like take it away. So having this crazy guy come in and handle all this, I think is very, very important. Yeah. And, you know, on that note, I kind of want to take it back because there was mention of the cultural significance of Grand Theft Auto and, and why there was such a significant hype around this. And the cultural significance of these games, going back to when Grand Theft Auto 3 came out, it was just a game where you got to be the bad guy. And there weren't really games like that at that point. You were a bad guy. You were committing all these crimes. You weren't a hero trying to save everybody. You were doing things that other video games weren't doing. You were throwing people out of their cars. You were, you know, hunting down people and like you could kill them on the street. You were running away from the police. You know, the whole game was cosplaying being a bad guy. And so to then in GTA 5 be like, okay, greed, you know, I just, I can't empathize with these characters because they're just totally motivated by greed and I'm not. It's like you, I think, are missing the entire point of the Grand Theft Auto series. And that is that you are not supposed to want to be these people. But it's like an outlet for like these other things that you wouldn't normally do in other video games. You know, there's no like real world draw that should be happening between Grand Theft Auto and yourself, in my opinion. And, you know, it's it's things like that, that line of thinking that leads to the people that are like, oh, do violent video games cause violence in real life? Like, no, if you're a normal person, you're not sharing any sort of connection I think, with these characters in terms of what they're motivated by. I think you could certainly understand the plot and understand, you know, what you're witnessing and, and do those missions. But yeah, no real connection for me, at least. Yeah, and so I'm going to look at this game sort of from a retrospective type of, of viewpoint. I think Trevor really represents a lot more than just like chaos within the game as a protagonist to me he's like the classic gta player in that when those games came out on three and vice city it's like you really weren't always focused on the actual missions it was like let's run around in the sandbox and do all these bad things let's steal the fastest car let's go get the banshee out of the car dealership and just drive around this town as fast as we can oh, we're in Vice City, like, let's go rob the convenience store or whatever and, you know, blast some 80s music in this neon vibe. I mean, you were just going around just causing mayhem and destruction a lot of times. And the newer games have sort of tried to pull you away from that and make it more of a, like, a, a good experience, I think, to go into those missions. And I think that they were able to do that because the gameplay improved so much. Those early games, the targeting system was bad. It was hard to really beat those games a lot of times. I think San, San Andreas was really the first one that had a 
like a, a more easily beatable story throughout. And then four got easier. And then of course, five being the easiest just because it has the smoothest gameplay elements. But it was never originally about that to me, in my opinion. If you go back and play those remastered ones, I'm sure it's a little bit smoother to be able to get through those those missions. But if you play the original versions, it it's a chore, especially going back now and doing that. So retrospectively, looking at this game as a 2013 game, I think it was really innovative when it came out. Um, and it was a very fun, unique experience. But I've now played it again on the PlayStation 5. And I really felt like despite all the stuff that you can do in the single player, in the campaign, you are sort of just getting an intro to what the online is supposed to be. And I think that's where I take a lot of issue with it, is that looking back on this, we were promised a lot in the single player, all these like additional heists, you know, and you sort of get a taste for that stuff in the single player, but then it just sort of kind of encourages you like, hey, go online. And you see where they, yeah, they did add those little details in the environment and added some more music and did the first person view to like give you these different experiences of playing that again. But the stuff that I really wanted to see was those true like expansive heists that you could plan and pull off. And, you know, they really ended up just being so story driven and so locked in that it never really felt like we got what we were promised in that regard. And that bums me out a little bit just looking back on it. But there's so much great stuff about this game. I mean, it plays really, really great. The customization is great. Being able to switch characters in the missions, sometimes you're forced to do it and sometimes you're not. You can roll up to a mission as Franklin or Trevor or Michael, just depending on what character you prefer to play. There's definitely elements where it's like, Michael in the middle of the plot loses his car and is driving like a little rental that's not as cool as his normal car because his son took it when his family leaves. And so it's like if you don't want to roll up to the mission on that, maybe you want to be Franklin and drive a motorcycle. Maybe you want to be Trevor and roll up Blair and punk music, you know, in his crazy truck vehicle. You know, you're able to sort of cosplay within the game and, and just like play you know, these different roles in the way that you want to play them. If you're feeling like that old chaotic Grand Theft Auto sense, like play as Trevor. If you miss that San Andreas vibe, like play as Franklin. And if, you know, you <laughs> want to like basically pretend maybe you're like a middle-aged dad playing Grand Theft Auto, you could be Michael and just hop into the game. And that's the one that you connect with the most in terms of like, here's the outlet for you. For me, this game is like an 8 out of 10, just looking back on it. I think it does a lot of things really, really well. I think that the three protagonist idea hits and misses at different points throughout the game because you are forced to go out of that three protagonist cycle pretty frequently and just play as one character for long periods of time. And the times where you're switching in missions, there's not really a lot of options for you to do it. You, you're just sort of forced to pick, okay, well, you have to be Trevor for this point. You have to be Michael for this part. So I think that some of that stuff is a little overstated in terms of what you're getting, but 
when they force you to do that, you are getting new objectives and it is putting you into the action. Now, I mean, I would say it's a perfect game. It's a perfectly flawed game. It is a game that on release had a lot of issues, online had a lot of issues, and you're still seeing things like job points, um, things like the heists that took forever to get in the game, and there are the flaws there. However, when it comes to story and funness, and we're talking retrospectively, it's well worth it. it it's, it's worth it to me. It's a fantastic, fantastic game overall. And it does deserve all the accolades that it does get. And, you know, I'm excited for when we're 85 and getting Grand Theft Auto 6, maybe, that we'll have that same excitement with it. But we'll see. This was fun. Research for this episode was done by Alex and Derek. And the intro and outro music was written, recorded, given to us by our friend Evan Barr. And our lovely artwork was provided by Aaron Shattuck. And those are beautiful people as well. We want to thank our patrons. So if you want to check us out at patreon.com slash finish the fight, you can see some of our rewards that we have there. And I want to thank a few select patrons today with Snide T-Bird, Nick Hyman, and Anthony Gooch. Thank you so much for your support. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or most likely your favorite podcast listening platform. If you haven't yet, drop us a review. We'd love to hear from you. It helps us out a lot. And you can catch us over on Twitch. You can see me at twitch.tv slash sourman70. That is twitch.tv slash S-O-U-R-M-A-N-7-0. As well as Derek over at twitch.tv slash thebakerman247. That is twitch.tv slash thebakerman247. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter. We're also on Discord. There's a link to join that below. Talking about video games, TV, food, pets, summer. You know, what are you doing right now? Having a good time? Let us know. And with that, this and that has been our coverage of Grand Theft Auto V. What 10-year-plus game should we cover next? Do you think this cycle is way too heavy in gaming? Like, should we have already had Grand Theft Auto Six at this point? Who knows? Let us know on our socials. Hit us up, and let's chat some more. As always, I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I am your host, Trevor Phillips. <laughs> and this has been Finish the Fight a gaming podcast.